Thank you for tuning in to Trinity Baptist Temple's podcast. I'm Pastor Kyle Dinsmore, and I pray today's sermon is a blessing to you as you continue to seek the Lord and follow His will for your life. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact us. God bless you. If you got your Bibles, you can turn to Genesis chapter 31. And uh, we are in this study that we've been doing week after week on Sunday mornings. And uh, as you're doing that, I, I was, uh, Brother Jeremy was up here sharing, and I got thinking back when they were here at our missions conference and just the time we got to spend with them and uh, just fell in love with this family. And uh, they came in this morning with two kids, and, I, and I, I was on the stage at first looking, and I was thinking, I know they got three kids. And I saw the, what I thought was the oldest daughter, and it's not actually the oldest daughter, and, uh, because the kids have grown so much in the, since the time they've been here. And so... They, they had to let me know, yeah, our oldest is in Florida still. And so I'm like, ah, that makes a little sense. So uh, I encourage you throughout this day as you get an opportunity uh, this morning and this evening to, uh, uh, to shake their hands, hug their necks, uh, pray with them, be a blessing to them. Again, they are such a, a, an awesome family. So excited to have uh, them with us as well. So um, in this study that we've been on, doing on Sunday mornings, we have been uh, kind of taking our time walking through uh, the lineage, the life, and then we're not, we're not yet to the life, but also not yet to the legacy of Joseph. So we've been, just been looking at his lineage, and where we started was his dad, Jacob, um, stealing from his brother and tricking his dad, uh, stealing the birthright and all that kind of stuff, and we've, we've kind of walked through uh, different lessons that we can learn in the lineage of Joseph. And, and so uh, along this way, we've hopefully uh, got some encouraging things, maybe some things God has used to challenge our hearts and maybe even convict our hearts. And in the last sermon that we were in in this, we, this has actually turned into like three parts, um, uh, Sermon 9 is, because we got the very first part of Sermon 9, and then I ran out of time, and so we had to finish up the first point last week and this week we're actually going to get uh, the second point but the first point in your notes is already filled out it says that the nature of man is selfish and self-serving and we looked at this reality that we by our human nature primarily are concerned with our own stuff our own agenda our own feelings our own, just own everything and again i use the example of toddlers i mean uh, if you had the opportunity to walk by our, our toddler room hopefully not but chances are, at some point in time, you would see those toddlers arguing over a toy. And I asked everybody, what do those toddlers say when they're ripping the toy away from another kid? Mine. That's right. Everybody knows it because that's just the nature of man. It's revealed even in the youngest of kids. Uh, so when we as adults or, or kids get old enough to understand what salvation is, what God has done for our salvation, and when we get to that place where we surrender our lives and we get saved, the Bible tells us that our lives are renewed by the Spirit of God, that we are born again, born of the Spirit. And in this transformation, we finally get liberty. We finally have freedom. A lot of, a lot of the people uh, that haven't come to Jesus Christ by faith have this idea that they're living their life in freedom. And the reason why they think this is because of this, this first point, that the nature of man is selfish and self-serving. I get to do what I want to do. I'm living my life for me. And really, that's not the truth. They are living their lives for sin. The Bible says that before we are the servants of God, we are servants of sin. Amen. 
And so what, what somebody says, I'm living my life for me, it's not, not really living for them at all. They're serving sin. They're servants of sin. And so when we get saved, again, we are freed from sin, and not only free from sin, sin but free from the judgment of our sin because that was placed on Jesus Christ on the cross. And so when we get saved, we actually first and finally, once and for all, have freedom in our life. Freedom to obey God. Freedom to be the servants of God. Uh, freedom, unfortunately, to, to go back and do what we are supposed to be dead to, which is sin. But again, we have all these, these freedoms and, and liberties in Christ. And in this freedom, we're to walk in harmony with the Spirit of God. We're supposed to uh, be walking in the Spirit, as the Bible says. And what that means is that we walk in obedience to God's Word, because the Spirit of God is never contrary to the Word of God. And so when we say, I'm walking in the Spirit, that means I'm walking in harmony. I'm walking in obedience to the Word of God with the right heart. So with this, we were given some ways how that we can avoid living in that old nature, the nature that is selfish and self-serving. Being an, a new creature in Christ, being renewed by the Spirit of God, being born again, walking in liberty, we have some things that we can do to make sure that we stay in that place and that we don't go back being the servants of sin. We saw that to keep this old nature away, we have to kill the flesh daily. And somebody says, what in the world does that mean? What does kill the flesh mean? You know, basically mortify the members of our flesh, make a, making a conscious decision every single day that I'm not going to give in to the temptations that my flesh has. Because even though we get saved, and this is what a, a misconception a lot of people that have not come to faith in Christ yet have as well, is that Christians think that they are perfect people. Well, I promise you this, you can start with me. I am not a perfect person. There are things that we as Christians, uh, things that we can do that maybe lost people can't do. And it's not because of us, it's because of Christ. And here's the things that we can do. We can make decisions to please God. Because of the righteousness of Christ. Because of the, 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 the grace of God. All because of God. Not because of us, but because of God. And so in this choice, we can say, no, I'm not going to do this sin. No, I'm not going to do that. Again, without having this, this new birth, without having Christ, without having the Spirit, you can do nothing but sin, nothing but serve sin. And so how we do this again, keeping the old man dead, keeping those old temptations, the, the temptations of the flesh uh, dead, not hanging around with people that pull us back into that old uh, nature of sin. We also saw that we're to make a conscious effort to serve other people. Again, that's letter B in your notes there of, of point number one. We're to make a conscious effort to serve others, to be others-minded. As a child of God, we are to take on the mind of Christ, which he considered other people before himself. He came to this earth, lived a humble life of a servant, became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And so we know this is the mindset we are to have, this is the life set we are supposed to have is, I'm thinking about other people. The Bible says that we're to in honor, prefer one another. We're to esteem others highly than ourselves, more highly than, than ourselves. And so this is the way that we keep that old nature uh, that selfish nature dead is be others-minded. And then the last point there, letter C in, in point number one, is we're to constantly remind ourselves and be reminded that the scriptural truth is this. There's no true reward that comes without sacrifice. Again, we, we see this um, in every aspect of sports, basically. I talked about uh, the NBA, the NFL, Major League Baseball. There's, there's none of those championships, championship teams that you can watch on sports, even these uh, soccer teams that are playing right now for the World Cup, none of them are going to be a championship team without sacrifice. 
It takes sacrifice of time, effort, uh, selfishness. It takes sacrifice. No true reward. We see that in the world. Hollywood, however, portrays a different image, right? Hollywood basically says, you can have everything that you want in this world. You just got to make it happen for yourself. And suddenly, it'll happen, you know? That's not the way it works. True rewards come with sacrifice. Again, that's true and most importantly true in Scripture concerning spiritual things. We get these things because we lay down our lives. The Apostle Paul told the Roman believers that they are to be living sacrifices. And that's what we are to be as well, living sacrifices. Besides that, as Christians, we know that the easy life that the world talks about, or Hollywood try to, tries to portray, is not really this life. It's a life beyond this temporal realm. It's eternity. And so again, we see these things, these, these points, this nature of, of, of man being selfish and self-serving. But in our study, we come to uh, another place where we can learn from Jacob and get point number two. So I want to pray and move forward in this uh, message this morning. So let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for allowing us again to be here. We thank you for the time of worship through song, uh, the time of prayer that we've had. We thank you for the Sunday school hour. Uh, we thank you for the opportunity to give again to you as a, as a part of our worship. Uh, Lord, we're so excited uh, when we're able to see um, our, our missionaries. Uh, and, and, and as I think about these two families that are here with us today, um, special families. I love these two families and we're grateful for them, Lord. But again, just the opportunity to see that uh, you're doing works not just here in our church and in our community, uh, but around the world. Uh, you're, you're an awesome God, and we, we are so humbled to be able to serve you in any way. And again, we're humbled to be able to worship you even today. And so, Lord, I pray that um, you would move, continue to move, and that you would use me just as a vessel uh, to bring glory to your name. Lord, as we uh, see your word brought out in this message, I pray that our hearts would be ready and that you would accomplish everything that you want to accomplish today. Lord, if there's someone here that's never been saved, they've never surrendered their life to you, I pray that you would speak to them today, that they would listen and they would surrender their life to you. Lord, help us even as those of us who have already done that, Lord, who have surrendered our lives to you, help us uh, to grab this, this, this message and take it with us, Lord. Help, help us uh, apply it in our lives and be an encouragement to other people with it as well. Uh, just be glorified now, and we'll praise you for all you do. We'll ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so again, we've been talking about the lineage of Joseph, looking at Jacob. Joseph has just been born, and uh, his father Jacob has struck this deal with his uncle slash father-in-law. It's weird, I know, uh, but that's just the way it is. And he got the best of him in the deal. Uh, Jacob, Joseph's father, got the best of Laban, his uncle slash father-in-law, in this deal. Now, they both were tricksters. They both were, were trying to get the best of each other and uh, seemingly out to get each other. Sounds like a loving family, doesn't it? Right? I'm thinking, do you really want to be a part of that family? I mean, they're always looking how they can get the best of each other. And maybe you live in, maybe you're a part of a family like that, but that just doesn't sound like what family is supposed to be. It doesn't sound like out to get each other, out to, to, to best each other and, and all this. This is what they, they were dealing with. It takes us back to one of the first messages that we had in this study that told us that all of our families are messed up. All of our families are messed up. I mean, we, we saw how, how Jacob 
how he's made a mess of his family. And, and again, we'll see a little bit more of that this morning. But in our lives, all of our lives in, this, in, in our families, somewhere, somehow, some place down there, maybe in our immediate family, say, no, my immediate family is messed up. <laughs> but maybe somewhere down the road in our, in our lineage, we say, no, this is messed up about my family. Again, it just reveals the reality in, in, in all of our lives. But this is where we left off in, in, in Genesis chapter 31, learning about the nature of man, and we pick up in verse uh, 1 of chapter 31. And he heard the, the words of Laban's sons. So Jacob is uh, nearby. He hears Jacob's, uh, uh, Laban's sons saying that Jacob has taken away all that, our, that was our father's, and of that which was our father's hath he gotten all this glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. <laughs> I, I love how, like the, the, the King James, um, the wording and stuff like that. But y'all get what this is saying, right? Everybody understand what this was just saying? Laban was definitely not as uh, pleasant looking to Jacob anymore. He was kind of giving him a stank face or something. <laughs> something changed with with the way that his father-in-law was looking at him, you know, and, and, I, and I think, you, you've maybe seen that look, maybe some of the guys in here have seen that look when uh, the, 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 the woman that you were going to marry, the girl that you were dating, their dad kind of gave you a certain look, and you're like, <clears throat> you know, make me, make me a little nervous, something's not good, he doesn't like me, he's going to kill me, whatever the case may be. Um, <laughs> this, this is uh, the situation here with Jacob. Jacob had a good rapport, supposedly, with his father-in-law. Now, things have changed. He's tricked him. He's got his, not only does he have both of his daughters, he's got all of his grandkids, and he's tricked him, and he's going to go off with all of this cattle and all of his family. Laban was not looking at, at, at uh, Jacob with very kind eyes, I would say. That's what it says. He beheld him, and it, and it wasn't the way it was before. Verse 3, And the Lord said to Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. I love that verse. God said to Jacob, Go back to the land of your fathers, to your kindred, to your family, and that's where I will be with you, or that's where I will be. Verse 4, And Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field unto his flock and said unto them, I see your father's countenance that is not toward me. Now, Listen to the lawyer. I don't know how sometimes the discussions go or the debates or the disagreements or you can call them arguments or maybe you're just going to be flat out honest and say the fights in your house go, all right? But Jacob is about to pitch his case to not just one wife, but both wives, right? Think about the dynamics of that. I mean, sometimes like women have guys beat on so many different levels concerning the mind and argument and talking, right? Because women can, can say, what, I shared that many years ago. How many words do women speak in a day compared to a guy? It's astronomically more, right? And uh, that's why, see, sometimes, and I shared in that message, that's why guys sometimes have a problem with listening. It's just so much for our slow minds. Like, you're expecting me to retain all of this information? <laughs> That's a lot of information in one day. Sometimes not just one day, one hour. But, um, so Jacob, I can imagine, he's nervous. He, he knows, okay, I've got to make my break. 
dad-in-law is not happy with me. He is definitely looking at me with some different eyes. I think he wants to kill me. Um, so I have got to find out a way to convince his, da- his daughters, my wives, and their maids that we've got to go back to my hometown. Not, not their home, not where their daddy is, not their, their fields and their flocks that they're comfortable with, but back home to where I am home. He had something, I guess, uh, for his cause, the fact that God told him to do it. But it's interesting what he does as he approaches his wives. He said unto them, see your father's countenance, verse 5, that it's not toward me as before, but the God of my father hath been with me. That's a good way to start it. Listen, God's with me. you got to listen to me. Verse 6, and you know that with all my power I've served your father. Now listen to what he's done. He's deceived me, and he's changed my wages ten times, but God suffered him not to hurt me. He didn't allow him to hurt me. Again, I think about what Jacob's attempting to do. He's trying to avoid double trouble, right? I can imagine his wives going, uh-huh, uh-huh. Because sometimes when we start talking as guys, we start realizing, this is not going the way I, sh- I wanted it to go. <laughs> this is not working the way that I thought in my mind it was going to go, right? He's got two. Not just one, he's got two that he's kind of having to, to deal with here in the field. Uh, again, I want us to get this. Think about this. It's because of the situation. It's becoming impossible for Jacob not to keep the vow that he made to God at Bethel. And I love that. I love that. It's, it's, it's through, again, he's, he's made all these decisions. He's made a mess of his family. He's got two wives and two maids and kids by all four of them. And and, and, and now he's got a whole bunch of livestock, and, and his father-in-law is angry with him. And, and, and God says this simple thing, go back to where your, your family is, and that's where I'll be with you at. But again, it's, remember, we go back to Bethel, that place where the, the, the ladder came down from heaven. Jacob's ladder had in a, in a dream, and, and God told him, and, and Jacob made this vow at that place. And God's making it a little more difficult for Jacob to go anywhere else but where God has told him to be. And that can be a, a difficult place even in, in our lives, right? Because sometimes we, we kind of get off doing our own thing, kind of like Jacob, making plans for our own, making a mess of things along the way, and God's like, what are you doing? This is where I want you. This is how I want you to live. You're kicking against the pricks. You're, you're going against the, the flow. You're doing things your way and not my way. But Jacob continues on in verse 8, and he says, if... If he said thus, the speckled, he's talking, Jacob's talking about uh, his father-in-law, the speckled shall be the wage, uh, thy wages, then all the cattle bear speckled. And if he said thus, the ring straight shall be thy hire, then bear all the cattle ring straight. Look, everything that he said in the agreement, this is the way it turned out. It turned out to benefit me. Thus God had taken away the cattle from your father and has given them to me. And he came to pass at the time of the cattle conceived that I lifted, up my, <laughs> I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, and behold, the rams which leaped upon the cattle now, this is an interesting, again, another way that King James puts these things, right? This, this, is, this is real farm life, people, okay? This is what he, he's, he's trying to say this in a nice way, but it means what you think it means. The rams leaped upon the cattle. Two people got it. Y'all there? Such a nice way to put. Now, go back again. What did he say? The time the cattle conceived. At this time of mating season, 
I lifted up my eyes and saw in a dream, behold, the rams leaped upon the cattle. It's a nice way to put that. Love the King James. And were ring straight, speckled, and grizzled, uh, grizzled. Verse 11, the angel of God spake unto me in a dream, saying, Jacob, and I said, here am I. He said, lift up now thine eyes and see all the rams which leaped upon the cattle are ring straight, speckled, and grizzled. For I've seen all that Laban doeth unto thee. And look at verse 13. I am the God of Bethel, where thou anointest the pillar, and where thou vowest a vow unto me. Now arise. Get thee out from this land, and return unto the land of thy kindred. Jacob wasn't where he had been, uh, where he had been before. Jacob wasn't where he was before he ran in fear. God even had to remind him of this place that he made this vow where God appeared to him and, and Jacob finally had peace once and for all in this place in the presence of God, abiding in, in, in the will of God. It was that place that Jacob had, had this encounter with God and God had to remind him of that, that you, you've gone from that. You've gone, again, if you've been here along the, the, this journey, this study in, in, in this, uh, uh, this study we've been doing live, You've seen that at any point in time, Jacob has not called out to God. There's not been a time that we've seen that he's, he's gathered his wives to say, you know what, let's, let's pray. Not even one of his wives. We don't see anything about Jacob calling upon God and God's direction, God's help. But what we have seen is yet again, as I've already said, Jacob going from that place of where God had met with him, where he had met with God and he had this experience with God and, and God gave him direction. He, he went from that place and he tried to do it all on his own, going his own direction, and all along this way, making a huge mess of his life and other people's lives. What a, what a miserable, uh, when we stand back and we watch this, this, this home video of, of Jacob going through his lineage, and we see, man, that Jacob is foolish. I, I, but I think the reality is this for us today. We could say the same thing about ourselves. That we don't always abide in the place where God has us. We don't always, we don't always uh, stay in that place of, of peace where God is absolutely directing every step. That we are walking in fellowship with God. That we are completely relying upon Him every second of every day. We don't always stay there because we, we too can be guilty of leaving that place and doing what we want to do. Making things happen the way that makes sense to us. So, so what was Jacob supposed to do? Just wait there at that place of Bethel? Just wait there until God? Sure. See, God never changes. God never is altered. He never moves. Therefore, his promises are always kept. There's not one that God has ever failed in. But I want to ask us this question this morning. How many promises have we made to God that we've broken? Whose vow was it? It was Jacob's vow. And God, in such an amazing, gracious, and loving way, after all of these blessings, and, and you never know, even though it's a, a huge, I don't think necessarily, I mean, God allowed for it and God worked through it. I think there's a greater purpose in God allowing and working for 
him having two wives, eventually having 12 children would be the 12 tribes of Israel. I believe there's a greater purpose in demonstrating God's love and God's grace to mankind through that, through the nation of Israel, even to us today. I think there's a bigger purpose in all of that, but God still desired for Jacob to only have had one wife. As I said several weeks ago, it could have been one wife, and it could have been just Joseph. Just like it could have been in the garden, without sin, without any other mess brought along. It's us that move. It's us that, like Jacob, either run in fear or run in selfishness or run in whatever. We, we, we try to make things happen for ourselves like Jacob. And again, in that nature of being selfish and self-serving, it's us that leave the help in the strong arm of the Lord. Oftentimes, even in our lives, circumstances come and they sway us, attacks, trials, even sin that we choose. And in those moments, we take our eyes off the Lord, off the right focus, we get off track, and we find ourselves much like Jacob did, not trusting God, not relying on God, but making a real big mess of things. And the reality is we could turn around and we can blame people. We could, we could point fingers and we say, if the church did this, if that person did that, if they were a real Christian, but the reality is this, we make the choices. We make the choices. Amen. We go the wrong way. We end up in the wrong place. Jacob could have blamed people too. Again, it's a choice. When we do that, similar to Jacob, we end up in that wrong place, which is distant from God, distant from the family that God has for us, just like Jacob. Now, this is also true as a side note. Sometimes things come in our lives when we're right smack dab in the middle of God's will. We are, we are, we are soaking up the word of God every day and we're praying and, and, and we're engaged. We're faithful to God, faithful to his church, faithful to serve, faithful to witness. We are, we are right in line with where God wants us. We are, we are tracking, we are going. And then all of a sudden, God allows a test. And sometimes those tests really do take the wind out of our sails. They come and they knock us off our feet. And sometimes, just sometimes, it can at times by our improper response to those begin a landslide away from our closeness with God. I've seen it time and time again. Somebody is excited on fire for the Lord. They're, again, they're faithful. They, they're, they're talking about Scripture. They're talking about witness, and they're talking about praying. They're, they're, they're involved, and, and they're engaged, and they're passionate, all this thing. And something comes along, and God allows it, and it's a big deal. And it really knocks the wind out of their sails. And the next thing you know, they're, they're, they're not going back to clinging to God. They're not going back to that closeness with God. They're not going back to the source of their joy and the source of their help and all of the good times. They're not doing that they automatically start relying on what makes sense to them and how they're going to make it through. And they start making decisions. And some of those decisions is, uh, I, well, I, I didn't read my Bible. I didn't pray today. I didn't, well, I felt like staying home from church. And, I, and, and all this kind of stuff. And these decisions begin this landslide that pulls us away from that closeness to God that we have before. And I've shared this before. 
Please listen, because this is going to be one of those moments that steps on your toes like it steps on mine. We can get that as parents, right? I get it as a parent. We know our kids are going to have growing pains. I remember Avery, when she was a few years back, she would have growing pains and bring her to tears. We'd, you know, give her some Tylenol or whatever. And, it just, and, 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 and what do we tell our kids in those moments? Sorry about your luck? You know, I mean, no. We, what do we tell them? We tell them, it's growing pains. Most people deal with them. Most people have to do that. It's, it's a part of growing up. It's a part, you have to go through that pain because the, 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 uh, the growth plates are, are, are doing what they're supposed to do. The way that God's designed, it's just the way it is. It's part of, of the, pain, uh, the pains of growing up. We don't like it, but again, we know that they'll have to go through it. Some kids don't want to go through the discipline of learning. I don't like school. I don't want to go to school. A lot of kids don't. But what do we tell our kids when they say that? You need to go to school. You need to finish school. You need to get your education. Yeah, but it's hard. I don't understand it. I don't like it. You still need to go. Why? Why do we tell our kids that? Because we know that it's best for them. It's going to help them. It's going to equip them. It's going to do the things that they, they're going to need, even if it's the mat, just the, the, the matter of being disciplined in an endeavor that is going to give you something that's going to be a help. Be disciplined in it. Teach our kids that. No problem. Hey, I can do that all day long as a parent. I can tell my kids, I don't care how you feel, you're going to get up and go to school. I can tell my kids, hey, look, I don't care if you like it or not. This is the way it is. We can tell our kids that. Some grandparents can do that. Some grandparents can't. But most of the time, this is the, this is the way that we look at things because you have to. We get it. When we look in, in love at our kids as a parent, we see that. We understand that. No problem. But when it's us and God our Father is allowing us to go through growing pains, we can often run, give up, quit. Well, I'm not doing it anymore. And when we fold like that and we quit and we give up like that, you know what happens? We don't learn the lesson that he wanted us to learn. We don't grow in that area that he wants us to grow in. You see, God sees us as his children, sees us as his body, sees us as, as his kingdom, as his, as his hands and his feet on this earth. And he wants to use us. He doesn't have to use us, but he has chosen to use us. He wants to use us. And so he's got a plan, as he did for Jacob, even through all the mess, just like that, he has a plan for your life and a plan for my life. Even through all the mess, he's got a plan for us. And so if we don't learn that lesson when God allows us to go through it at this point in time, because we fold our tents and we say, you know what, I'm not going to do that. I, I, I'm not going to deal with that. I'm just going to do what I want to do. I'm not going to continue to be faithful. I'm not going to continue steadfast. I'm not going to do that. We fold it. Guess what's going to happen? We're just delaying the inevitable. God will bring us to that lesson again. He'll bring us to that trial, or a different trial, but he'll bring it to us again. We, we talk about our, our, our kids and uh, just spending some more time with, with Jaron and, and Nikki and uh, seeing their uh, two oldest girls uh, remind us a little bit of the dynamics of our two oldest girls. Uh, you have uh, the older one that seems to be a little more um, seemingly responsible, you know, and, and, and uh, you know, she's five, so, I mean... <laughs> 
but, uh, but kind of taking on the mantle of, of this is, you know, the, what I've got to do. I'm the older sister. Sometimes I've got to go to the playground in Chick-fil-A with my younger sister because I have to. I don't really want to because there's boys in there, but dad told me to, so I'm going to, you know. Um, and then you have the younger one who seemingly has something clogged in her ears all the time. And I'm like, I'm seeing this plan. I'm like, look, we feel your pain. <laughs> Because our youngest lived with red hands for the longest time, and just it seemed like just couldn't get through to her. Um, but it's so interesting when we, we see our kids, we see all of these things, these, these lessons that uh, God brings us through. And again, we get it with our kids. We understand it with our, with our own kids. But again, we sometimes make it a little, a little bit harder than we uh, have to make it on ourselves because of the choices we make. Again, God never changes. He never fails. He's never wrong. He's never unjust. And so maybe you're there. Maybe you're here this morning and you're there. Maybe you're frustrated at your circumstances. You're going through something. You feel like you were on track. You were doing things right. You were living for God. And something's come along and it's knocked you off track. And maybe you've made some decisions that's pulled you away from a close relationship with God. And maybe even further than that, maybe you find yourself in a place where you're getting a little bitter about the circumstances. Maybe you're getting a little bitter even with God because the circumstances are still the way they are. Listen, you have to remember, again, God has not failed. And he has not failed you. And he has not failed in your circumstances. God's not missing something. He's not messing up with something. God has not made a mistake because of the circumstances in your life. It's not that God has become all of a sudden unjust after an eternity of being just. He's not become unjust in your circumstances. He's not become unrighteous. He's not lost justice. He's not lost anything about being God because he can't because he is God. It's us that move. It's us that change. It's us that waver. It's us that are affected. God remains the same. You have to also remember that God, as he did with Jacob, as I said a while ago, has an eternal plan. And get this, you may think, I'm nobody. I'm not even a faithful Christian right now. Listen, God has an eternal plan with you in mind. You would have never been formed. You would have never had lungs. You would have never had a, a, a life to live. You wouldn't be sitting in this place if God didn't have an eternal plan with every single person in this place in mind. You're included. And so again, if you're disconnected, maybe you're disenchanted, maybe even a, a, as a Christian, feeling like a little disenfranchised, like I don't even know if I connect or fit. Or maybe even not only that, even at your relationship with God as a father just diss with God, diss anything. Again, it's you. It's me. It's not God. It's not others. A lot of times people say it's the church. No, it's not. It's you. Because there are people that go through the same exact thing and, and, and remain in the right place in heart. How is it that, that somebody... Two, two, two different people can go through the same similar, similar situation with the same characters involved and with two separate results. I'm going to just keep being steadfast. It's hard. You know, Brother Kyle, will you pray, pray with me? I'm, you know, I'm going through this, but you know what? I know God's good. I know he's still on the throne, and, and, and we're going we're gonna, to you know, still be faithful. I'm going to do this, and, and, and we don't know how, what the answer is to this, but we're going to keep doing this. And somebody on the other side, but you know what? I just... I just don't really, nobody connects with me up there. I don't connect with it. I just, you know, 
I don't know, church doesn't really love, and you know, this bad place. How is it two different things? Is it God is different for these two people? Or is it those two people are different in their response? Again, it's me when I am. It's you when you are. Let's just be honest adults. That's the truth. That's it. I can point my fingers at you. I can point my fingers at other people. I can do that too. But it's not the case. It's me. It was Jacob. God allowed Jacob to take a really long, hard path of learning. Again, two wives, two handmaidens, 11 kids by all of them, an angry father-in-law slash uncle, angry cousins now he's learned about. Jacob had made a pretty good mess of things by leaving the presence of God in this relationship with God. And what God's word was him this morning, again, I guess we're only going to get the main point, is this. It's messy, it's messy enough, right? Have you, have you made it messy enough already? God's word to him, re return, repent, turn around, come back to where you should be. Again, that's maybe you this morning. You don't want to admit it. Maybe, maybe you can't even see it. I don't need to repent. I don't need to return. I'm just fine. But listen, if you find yourself in a distant relationship with the Lord who laid down his life for you, if you're not connected in that place of, uh, uh, of intimacy with God, if you're not there, which always includes the things of God, it never is disconnected. You cannot have a close relationship with God without having a close relationship with his people. You can't do it. You can't have a close relationship with God without, without having the word of God, without having uh, this connection with God and talking with him. Pray. You cannot do it. You can't be close to God without being obedient to God. It's not because we make ourselves good enough for God. It's not about that. It's about being in line with his righteousness and his holiness. And again, that only is afforded to us by his grace. We can't merit it. We can't earn it. We can't do it in our own strength. It's only because of the Spirit. But if you find yourself there and you, you find yourself in a place where things are messy in your life and you're lacking peace, I don't have it. I don't have the peace. I used to have peace with God. I used to feel like God was, was present with me and I feel like I was walking with him and I don't have that peace. Things are messy. Listen, the same message applies to your life this morning as God gave to Jacob. Return. Return. It's a choice. Jacob could have said, God, no. He could have said, God, that's, that's too easy. He could have said, God, Shouldn't I do something else? Shouldn't I uh, build this, 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 this temple here? Shouldn't I, uh, you know, sacrifice something? Jacob was told to return. How, though? How did, how, did, how did God direct Jacob to return? What does it look like? Or how should it, what was it supposed to look like for him? And how should it be for us even today? Point number two is this, as the musicians come. Our, the nature of our return to God is to be swift and sincere. Swift and sincere. Like if I, any point in my life where I have found myself in that spiritually dry place, maybe spiritually frustrated place, maybe feeling like I'm disconnected, it all goes back to me needing to do something. Me needing to press more into God. Look, I can't go through the motions. I can't just pretend. I can't just pretend like, okay, I'm reading my Bible and I'm saying my prayers here. Okay, I should be close to God. No, 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 no. Our return to God should be swift and what's that second word? Sincere. God is looking at our hearts. He's concerned with our hearts. 
He knows that if our hearts are in the right place, in the right place with him, that he can direct our lives and he can use our lives in any way that pleases him. That's what God's concerned about. And so if you find yourself there, I feel disconnected. I feel distant from God. I feel dry. I feel, I, I feel like, you know, God's trying to tell me something maybe and I'm not hearing it or, or maybe I don't even know if God's trying to say something to, to me at all. Listen, you can't substitute anything. You can't do anything else other than return with swiftness. He told, he told Jacob, arise now. Now. Do it now. Look, there's nothing to pray about. When you know that you're in the wrong place, you know that you're not as close to God, you know that, that maybe you, you had this closeness with God before, this intimacy with God before, and you don't have it now, there's nothing to pray about. I need to pray about it maybe tomorrow. No, there's nothing to pray about. There's nothing to contemplate. If I'm not in this close, vibrant relationship with God, it doesn't mean that there won't be struggles. It, don't, it doesn't mean that you won't even go through a dry time. It doesn't mean that there won't be difficulties and circumstances and trials and, and all that kind of stuff. But you can still have that closeness with God and the peace that is there and the joy that's there. You can have all those things in the midst of all that, that junk. And if you're not there, if I'm not there, the call is the same. Return. Return to where you should be, to that closeness with him. That's what God wants from us. That's how he's going to use you. That's how he's going to use me. That's how he uses missionaries. Being close to the heart of God. When we get close to God's heart. God says, do this. That's a big step. It's right. But I'll be with you. Think of the, the questions that Jacob may have had. But God, our whole life is here. Are you going to ask me to take my wives away from their father? <laughs> I don't know how that's going to go. Get back to where you're supposed to be. Again, it's about the heart. God, God can do anything with our lives. Wherever. Fort Worth, Ethiopia, Nicaragua, Asia. He can do anything and, and he wants to do with our lives. What he's most concerned with is where our heart is with him. That's what he wants. So where's yours? Are you close with God? Maybe you're here this morning and you say, I, I don't know that I've ever been close with God. Maybe you've never come to a place where you realize that your sin was separating you from a close relationship with God. Maybe it's never been explained before that you couldn't do, like even coming to church today, you couldn't do anything to, to please God if you were still a servant of sin. And you came here today and you heard that. Listen, God made a way for you to be close to him. The Bible says how he brought us near to him was through the death of Jesus Christ. The Bible says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. It's as simple as that, understanding that God loved you and he came to this earth to die in your place for your sins, for my, in my place for my sins. They put him in a grave and three days later, he rose that earthly body from the grave. And the Bible says, whoever would believe in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. You've never done that. And what that belief looks like, because uh, Brother Jaron, again, a couple of weeks ago, uh, brought this out about this hope. Uh, and I've preached that before about trust. 
Everybody's sitting in these seats today because you're trusting in those chairs. All of your confidence, all of your weight is in that chair. You're not relying on your legs at all. All of it is in that chair. When someone puts their faith in Jesus Christ for salvation, it's not some wishful thinking, as he, his illustration was, uh, well, well, I hope I get a snow cone today, like a wishful thinking. Well, I hope God can save me. No, 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 my hope is in Jesus Christ. It's an anchor for my soul. It is an absolute confidence. I know that he is God. I know that he died in my place. I know his blood is sufficient. I know that he rose from the dead. There's no question in my life. And I know without any doubt that he is the only way. So much so, my life is now his. I'm surrendering my life to him. And when we do that, we not only accept him as the, the sacrifice, the payment for our sins, but we place ourselves under him as our Lord. And now he becomes not only our Savior of all our sins, but he now is also our Lord, the Lord of our life. And if you have not done that, I have to tell you, you need to do that today. Come to God. Just like those who are away from God need to return to God swiftly and sincerely, you need to come to God today swiftly and sincerely before it's too late. The Bible says that we don't know what tomorrow holds, so we don't need to boast about it. Today is the day of salvation. I beg you to come today. There's going to be a couple men down here, and if you say, you know what, I'd like to know more about that. I, complete, I don't completely understand it, but I want that salvation. I want to go to heaven when I die. I don't want to go to hell. I want, I want to spend eternity with God then please come down here. Let them at least show you in God's word. If you're a lady and you'd rather have a lady, then there's ladies down here that can show you in God's word. Don't just take what a preacher's saying. Look in God's word for yourself and see what, it, what God says about it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Thank you again for this reminder today that you desire our hearts, God. These are just fleshly bodies. These are just earthen vessels. You're concerned about our souls. You're concerned about our relationship with you. That's what you desire so much. And sort of, if, if any of us here today are distant from you, if we're not in that close, intimate relationship with you, I pray today we would return swiftly and sincerely. God, that we'd come running back to you, that we'd repent, that we'd, we would do everything necessary to, to keep close to you. Lord, just move in this invitation. And again, if there's someone here that has never surrendered their life to you, I pray you'd move in their heart now, that they would come forward and receive that free gift. It's a gift that they have to accept of eternal life. I pray that you just move now in Jesus' name.